When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just like they did in August, Solace Meds has some awesome deals going on throughout the month of September for DNVR listeners. You guys can get Can America gummies for 25% off throughout the entire month of September. You can get Strange Tinctures for 20% off, Rockin' Cartridges 25% off, Glacier Concentrates 20% off. They've also got a Labor Day sale going on, Labor Day weekend. On September 6th, you can buy three, get the fourth product for 10 cents. On Patriot Day, September 11th, buy three, get the fourth for 10 cents as well. Of course, if you head into any location, you can get a free Solace Bar or King Cone when you mention the code DNVR20. That code is also going to get you 20% off your entire purchase. So stop into any four of their convenient Colorado locations today. They've got one in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one just blocks away from the DNVR bar on East Colfax. Stop in the Solace Meds. They've got all those deals that I just said. Of course, you can always get 20% off when you use the code DNVR20 at any of those locations. You're going to get a free Solace bar or King Cone with your purchase as well. Flying solo today, Harrison Wind and Brendan vote on the DNBA show, the DNBR Nuggets podcast. We are presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure to use code DNBR when you sign up and download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. Uh, no Adam today, no D line, no producer. Kale's on a secret covert mission, so it's just me and vote. How's it going, man? Just a raw garage band episode, dude. Let's get after it. Uh, quick question for, for you and I guess the commenters. Is this the best looking combination of two that we could put together from the NBR Nuggets? Well, there's not that many to pick from. That's- I know. I know. By the way, me saying that is kind of like Flacco saying he's part of a dynamic duo in Slovenia with Luca, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> uh, I think you're right. I think you're right. So we got a fun show coming up today. There's a new viral video of Michael Porter Jr. shooting in a gym. So we've got to break that down. And while we break that down, we're going to decide where Michael Porter Jr. ranks among the best shooters in the NBA. Uh, I think he's pretty close to the top. We'll see just how close he is. And then I thought it'd be cool to look at some best and worst case scenarios for the Nuggets and a lot of the players uh, this coming season. So we'll go through best and what we think could be the worst case scenarios are for Nikola Jokic, for Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, Bones Highlands. Really, probably pretty much uh, the who's who of the Nuggets roster. But um, I want to start with this video from uh, yesterday. I think it went up. This video came to us courtesy of Michael Messer, uh, who's an NBA skills trainer who trains Michael Porter Jr. a lot uh, throughout the offseason. And th- this is just an impressive uh, shooting display from 
one Michael Porter Jr. I'm going to share my screen here. So let me know if you can see this. You should see my Twitter. I'll play the video right here. Do we see this? Yep. Okay. Oh, this is beautiful. So, so this is just what I want to see in the off season. This is peak off season content. And, and by the way, for those who are wondering, not a loop, it looks like a loop, but, uh, this is a, this is a video. I know. I saw some people being like, wait, is this just a five second loop of Michael Porter Jr. Making one shot? That's the why. that's why he missed one just to prove that this is <laughs> continuous footage. Yeah. I mean, so, okay. Everyone knew this about him already. But just a reminder, when we talk about this guy spending his offseason at times with Steph Curry, that trainer, this is the talent we're talking about. This is that skill he's trying to hone. And don't fool yourself, man. This is this is top tier stuff. What do you think? What do you think it would be like to uh, to just ha- be a fly on the wall in a Steph Curry and Michael Porter Jr. shooting workout? I want to go so bad, like take my phone. You can smash it. You could burn it if you want. You, I'll sign an NDA. Just let me sit in there yeah. and just watch. Um, you know, I used to, I remember watching Wancho warm up or shooting empty gyms and just thinking like aesthetically, does it get any better than this? And it turns out it does. A Porter's that much better And watching him. I mean, we got some sneak peeks of this stuff even before he was on the court, you know, especially if you're on the road, you get to see these guys warming up sometimes playing three on three it's a it's it's a divine divine stroke it's ridiculous yeah there are certainly game shooters and practice shooters Wancho was definitely I mean I think he was a practice shooter um but I don't know I never got the impression that he was like knocking every single shot down in practice you know right right right. like Pre-game warm-ups, yeah, he he was definitely a pre-game warm-up shooter. But there are practice shooters, there are game shooters. Uh, Michael Porter is both, apparently. He he's an absolute knockdown guy in practice and warm-ups, and an absolute knockdown guy in games. Uh, so just the real quick, the facts on what Porter did from three-point range last season, because I want to try to put him and kind of rank him in context of some of the other best shooters in the league. Uh, Last year, Michael Porter Jr. shot 39.7% in the playoffs um, from three on 7.3 attempts per game. And then in the regular season, uh, Michael Porter Jr. shot 44.5% from three across 61 games. So a big sample size, I think both in the regular season and even in a playoff environment, I mean, 7.3 attempts per game. That's a bunch in the playoffs. There were actually just six players uh, in the playoffs last year to shoot at least 39% from three on more than seven, three pointers per game. So this is a pretty exclusive company. And that's a playoffs in which he struggled Harrison, right? Like that's what we remember. He didn't play very well. And obviously Mm -hmm. this is his one skill. It's going to pop no matter what, but even still, even amongst those troubles, yeah, 40% at 7.3. So if if and as he figures out the other stuff, right, and, and what I mean by that is our defense is afraid of him doing something beyond catch and shooting, it's going to translate. You said he's a practice and a game shooter. He's also an 82-game shooter and a 16-win shooter. So yeah. he's one of these guys. So I guess my first question for you as we set the stage here, 
Um, I just rattled off his numbers. Last year, 44.5% from three in the regular season, 6.3 three-point attempts per game, 39.7% in the playoffs, 7.3 attempts per game. And then even going back to his rookie year, 42.2% from three in the regular season, 38.2% from three in the playoffs. I mean, how real are those numbers in your opinion? Do you have to see anything more to know that this guy is an elite shooter? No. No, it's what he could do from the second he stepped on the floor. It's everything else that's the question. And as I was just touching on, if and at he as he gets better at everything else, the three-point shooting will only go up. I mean, I think eventually we're going to see that volume go up probably this year. Uh, but also, I mean, just eventually defenders will have to fear, uh, you know, him driving to the rim, that mid-range, especially out of the DHO as he figures that out. So, no, this is a guy who is really still learning how to play the game at an elite level, and that doesn't even matter. Put him in a gym with a blindfold on, he's going to shoot 35%. I, I, yeah, he's an elite shooter. Yeah, he certainly is. It, it's funny that you say like he still doesn't really know what he's doing because sometimes you get the impression that he really doesn't. Um, I mean, like it wasn't too long ago when the Nuggets felt like they had like one or two plays that they just ran for Michael Porter Jr. And that was really it, you know, at the peak of kind of the Murray Jokic two-man game. It was almost that most times down the floor. And then every once in a while, you know, they'd mix in that little rub screen for Porter on the other side of the floor and let him go to work. So it's going to be fascinating to me, you know, how much do they expand the Michael Porter playbook? Um, How much does, you know, he grow his game, but also, you know, how how much is his game within the realms of the Nuggets offense? Uh, Because, they need him to shoot even a lot more next season. He shot only 13 and a half times per game uh, this last year. I think he's going to shoot, you know, 17, 18 times per game this coming season. So um, I'm excited to see the playbook expanded for him, I guess. Sure. And we're going to get to it, but some of the guys on, on this list that you and I have put together, you know, of other of the top shooters, maybe a little less efficient, but they're up at eight, 8.2 attempts per game still above 40%. And I look at that and I just think, can MPJ stay above 40 if he shoots two more threes per game? Absolutely. And I think it's Mm -hmm. one of the next things I hope to see happen. Um, Why not? He hits these shots. So obviously we want him focused on on the other things as well. But in a regular season, it's going to get a lot of looks from deep. And I think he'll hoist them up even more. So when we're talking about best years in the league and you, you kind of sort it down by how many attempts these guys had last year, what their percentages were. I kind of separated this into three tiers. So I've got some lower volume guys uh, who still shot like really high percentages above 40 and then some higher volume guys that were still around those forties. And then what I'm calling just like the elite elite tier, which I actually think Michael Porter's in that in my mind consists of four guys So I'll I'll ramp up to that, but let me just list off some names here. Um, The lower tier, Marcus Morris, 47% on around five attempts per game. Bryn Forbes, 45% on around five attempts per game. Kevin Durant is in this tier, 45% on like 5.4 attempts per game. Seth Curry also in this tier, 45% from three, 4.9 attempts per game. Norm Powell, 
41% from three, six attempts per game. And Chris Middleton, 41.4% from three on 5.4 attempts per game. Um, And then you kind of go into this next tier. You've got Damian Lillard, 39% on a lot of attempts, 10.5 attempts per game. C.J. McCollum, 40% on 8.9 attempts per game. Paul George, 41%. 7.7 attempts per game. Bogdan Bogdanovich around the same attempts, 43.8%. I've got Duncan Robinson in here, 40.8% on 8.5 attempts per game, 41.2% uh, for Mike Conley on 6.6 attempts per game. And then the final name, Zach Levine, 41.9% on 8.2 attempts per game. So some of those guys have higher volume. Um, some of those guys you know, slightly higher percentage than what Porter shot, which he shot 44.5%. If you look at the, you know, Kevin Durant's of the world, the Seth Curry's of the world. Um, But it's going to be fascinating to see where Porter kind of slots in, you know, if he slots in close to those guys, if he slots in ahead of those guys or or below any of those guys, because I feel like he's, you know, in that range. But based on what he did last year, I think you can put him even – in a tier above those guys. Yeah, there's some projection to do for sure. I do think we should do some defining of terms, especially with with Kevin Durant in there. Are we talking specifically three-point shooters? It gets really complicated, you know, because from the mid-range, you factor that in, Durant's as good a shooter as anyone in the league. So I guess should we? it's three-point we're talking about? Yeah, three-point for sure, because, you know, Kevin Durant only takes five-and-a-half threes a game, or he did last year. Otherwise, he's not. It's not a lot. Right. Yeah, for sure. And he's only taking like Kevin Durant's only taking super, super wide open threes. I almost feel like for sure. For sure. I've always I mean, it's hard to say that Durant's anything but the best version of himself, but it is hard not to wonder why he doesn't shoot more. I mean, when he I understand the concept of more volume, lower, lower efficiency. But every time he shoots when he's open, you're like, I don't think you would miss that shot ever. I'm kind of always mystified that he doesn't shoot more, but I digress. Yeah. It's probably because he doesn't have to. And he's got Kyrie Irving and James Harden running the lanes. It's like, oh, I can just give it to one of these guys for a wide open shot if I'm even the slightest bit covered. For sure. Um, For sure. But then I've got the top tier. The the top tier, which I have four names in. And Michael Porter is in this tier because there were only three players to shoot at least six threes per game last year and shoot at least 44% from three on those shots in, in 50 games or more. And those three players were Joe Harris, Joe Ingles and Michael Porter jr. And then I put Steph Curry in this top tier too. He was 42% on almost 13, three pointers a game (laughs) uh, attempted last season, which is just absurd. So I know his percentage is a little lower, but I'm going to put him in, in this top tier. But I mean, you got Joe Harris, 47.5% from three last year on 6.4 attempts. Joe Ingles, 45% from three, 6.1 attempts. Michael Porter Jr., 44.5% on 6.3 attempts. Those, like I said, are the only three guys in the league last year uh, to shoot at least six threes per game and shoot at least 44% from three. So that's pretty exclusive company. I mean, is that too high for Michael Porter? No, no, I don't. I mean, look, he's literally there statistically, right? I, what you're, I think the next question for me, and I touched on this earlier, is does he sustain this as he pumps it up to eight attempts per game? You know, which 
like, look, some of the guys that have a case to be in this elite tier, even though they're not in the way you've parsed it out statistically here, it's that, right? It's that they could get a lot of these shots up. But this is the territory. This is the ballpark we're talking about. The very best shooters on the planet. And again, you know, with some of these guys are are what they are, the fully formed versions of themselves as players in the NBA as spot-up nightmares. Porter is adding to his game every day still, so... No, he belongs here, and you do some projection, and you think, man, I think he's going to pass some of these guys too. Yeah, um, this is a good question here from David. I love to see the Nuggets run more high pick and roll, open up the court a bit more, give MPJ and our shooters even more three-point attempts. This kind of goes into something we've talked about a bit this offseason. It's like how do the Nuggets adjust their playbook a little you know, to get Michael Porter Jr. some better looks? Do they put in some some set plays for him like the Heat have for Duncan Robinson, like the Nets have for Joe Harris? We've seen a little bit of this, you know, over the course of last season, but is there even more of that for Michael Porter? I'd have to think so. Like, I'd have to think the Nuggets coaching staff right now, or they have been just drawn up little sets that they can run for Porter, just, you know getting Nicole Jokic on a zoom and being like, what do you think of this? Like, what do, what do you think of this little set? I'd have to definitely, think so. definitely. Yeah. I mean, I look, that's what this is going to be about <laughs> the first few months of the season. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, so, where hey, you... I have, well, really quick before we, before we, I'm going to drop this in the chat here. Um, just in case anyone wants to follow along with us uh, via stat news. I also have the uh, top three point, percentage career leaders among active players and okay. you take a look at this michael porter jr obviously smaller sample size than some of these guys he's coming in at number two at 43.9 percent. so look he's got he hasn't played that long but yeah we're talking about one of the i think roughly five to six best best shooters in the nba here but but and what's, what 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 can kind of separate him even more i feel like from a Joe Harris, from a Seth Curry, or, you know, from a Duncan Robinson, Michael Porter doesn't need any space to get off his three-point shot. Yes. So, like, yeah, you can run these little curls for him and these, you know, pin downs to get him a little more separation and these tight dribble handoffs. Like, you know, Duncan Robinson gets a lot of his shots out of and, and even Seth Curry. Um, but also what makes him such a deadly shooter is the fact that he's 6'10", 6'11". And none of these other guys are that tall except for Kevin Durant. And so, yeah, you can, you know, try to get him free space and, you know, try to get him separation. In the end, that can help, but he doesn't necessarily need that to get a clean look at the rim. And and I feel like that is kind of an underrated part of, why he's able to be such a good shooter. And one thing that he, you know, when you look at a guy like Joe Harris, for example, Joe Harris does two to three things on the court. And if you really want to be reductive, you can say one, uh, and that's just shoot. Porter, I think, has the potential to be a much more threatening player outside of just the jump shot. I mean, he's already there, but but really a guy that instills fear in the heart of the defense to the point where despite the fact that the three-point shot's the number one thing you're worried about, sometimes you forget to take it away because he's killing you in these other ways. And th- some of these guys, 
when you look at these numbers that he's in a tier with, they are purely catch and shoot, you know, stars. And I think Porter has a chance to be more, I know people don't like this comp, but you know, more of a Durant type insofar as you're also afraid of him destroying you in the mid range and around the rim. Yeah. This is a good, uh, a good comment for, from DRB here, Michael Porter in the post. That's something we haven't seen a ton but it's funny. I was actually going back and watching some highlights from him in the playoffs, particularly in that Portland series, because I posted that uh, dagger three he had in game five uh, in the double OT game versus Portland that the Nuggets won when Dame had 55. And uh, it was the play where Yoke had that ridiculous skip pass that went right over Robert Covington and Robert Covington almost like tore his knee up just trying to defend that pass. Yep. Um, but like just thinking back to that play, Porter hits that three. And of course, that was the bounce back game. He had 26 points, 10 of 13 from the field, 12 rebounds. That was the bounce back game after he was just awful in uh, game four. Had three points, one of three shooting, just got taken out of the game by Norman Powell and then bounced back. Uh, to have that huge game in game five that Denver won. Uh, it's like such a big moment from Porter, but going back and looking at those highlights, he actually had like a mellow-esque uh, turnaround jumper from the mid post. And that's honestly a shot he can get every single time right. down. Right. Like it, it's just because he's so tall, because, you know, he's got the shot that he does. He can get that shot every single time down. So that's something I'm curious to see. Like, can Porter become a reliable guy, like, in that turnaround jumper from the mid post? Because that's a great bailout weapon for Denver to have. And, you know, look, let's be frank. A lot of Porter's shots are bailout shots, bailing himself out more often than not. But he has that Jamal Murray kind of jumps from where he is, squares himself in the air. He's not quite as good at it, actually, in my opinion. I think Porter, I do wish Porter would put a little more focus on setting his feet. Sometimes he has more time than he thinks. But this is a guy who pulls points out of thin air in that way. And I think he can in, in, in that range of the court and take advantage of the fact that guys are not going to be able to contest a fade jump shot from someone that size. Yeah. I like this from Gareth. MPJ's volume needs to increase the 20-plus shots this season. I think I've actually said this on a show, but... I want to walk it back because do you know how many guys shot the ball at least 20 times last season vote? No. If you had to take no. a guess. No, just, just uh, tell me. Don't make me embarrass myself. Six guys shot the ball at least 20 times per game last year. Uh, those six players, Bradley Beal, Steph Curry, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Uh, none of none of those players have a Nikola Jokic that they're playing with. So I don't think he's going to shoot 20 times per game, but – 17, 18, yes. I definitely think that's a realistic uh, shot total for him to shoot for night to night. Sure. And again, I think, too, part of this getting more shots and, and making sure it's not all happening in these concentrated stretches of the game, right? The Porter quarters, as we dubbed them. We need more Porter halves, Porter games. And part of that, I think, is going to be on the coat, like I think last year there was a little bit of a formula of okay, we got the MPJ contribution this game, gave us a lead. Now we'll sort of adjust to our bread and butter. But 
can the focus this year be, hey, let's keep him going. He does not need to fade into the background of this game. He just had 20 in the first. We haven't gotten him a shot in X amount of minutes. What can we do to get him back back involved and so he doesn't just fade into the background? Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a bad sign and kind of a disappointment if he has those quarters like he had last year where he goes off for six threes in the first quarter and then you don't hear from him again until the third. If he has those quarters where he disappears, that's probably going to be a disappointment for me. Hey, so can I put you on the spot and ask you to give me your, you don't necessarily have to do order, but top five shooters in the NBA. Can we, can we figure this out together? So I think, yeah. So I think four of them are are in that top tier. I gave you Steph Curry, who I think is the best shooter in the league. Um, And then I honestly think that Porter is in the conversation for second best shooter in the league with, you know, the likes of Joe Harris, Joe Ingles, and, you know, like Porter. I, I think that's the conversation for second best shooter in the league. You know, if you're just talking about guys who put up a lot of volume and percentage, I'd put Kevin Durant maybe in that fifth spot as well. Um, so that might be my top five. Uh, I Steph, like Seth. I like Seth as well, man. I mean, career, he I, is Seth is the active career leader, right? Yes, he is at 44.3 point throughout his career which is effing ridiculous yeah it is ridiculous it is ridiculous he he could be there in there as well um yeah and i mean i guess the only reason he wasn't in that top tier is because he attempted five threes versus you know like six and change yeah so he could be in there i mean joe ingles just like barely missed last year 45 percent. joe harris 47 and a half percent um but yeah, for the sake of this, I'll go. I'll go. Steph Porter, uh, Joe Harris, Joe Ingles, and Kevin Durant as my top five. I think I'm going to put Seth in for Joe Ingles. I know Jingles just had a better year, as good a shooting year as anyone. Um, but yeah, I think that's roughly the tier of guys we're talking about. And again, some of these guys you think of as more limited than what I think Porter can ultimately be. Of course, caveat: not there yet. Plenty to go. Uh, and by the way, I was just sort of looking for a rough archetype comparison. I'm not calling him Kevin Durant. I just think he can be more than Joe Harris. Oh, anyway. he's called himself Kevin Durant. So that is, I don't true. think that'd be so the worst thing in the world insane. that you could do. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's hit a break real quick. When we come back, we're going to get into the meat of this show. Best and worst case scenarios for the Nuggets and the main players on this roster from Jokic to Michael Porter to Bones Highland. What are the best and worst case scenarios for these guys? We'll discuss in one second. Yeah, well, obviously guys, football season, it's here, college football, NFL around the corner. So the weekends are about to change at DNVR, at the DNVR bar and for a lot of our listeners. We want to remind you going forward here, Saturdays and Sundays, that bar opens at 10 a.m. So Come on in, you know, drink with us throughout the day if you want. Watch as many games as you want. Obviously, we've got that revamp menu. Plenty for you to do. Keep yourself busy, having fun all day long. And again, I know a lot of people cord cutting, doing different things. You know, a lot of disparity with regards to what games you have access to. If you want to go to a place where we've got them all on, especially the Denver games, you already know it's the DNVR bar. While I'm on the topic, how about a DNVR party bus? Does that sound Mm. dope to you? It sounds dope to you. Well, we've arranged one. 
There's a party bus going from the DNVR bar to the Empower Field at Mile High Donkey Stadium, a mile high above the Empower Field. Back for Saturday's game against Texas A&M. Secure your spot on the bus now. There's an event right. It's been tweeted out on the DNVR Buffs account. You can also go to the dnvr.com, check out the events calendar. We've got it punched in there for you. RSVP, get a spot. It's going to be a blast. Speaking of having a blast, one of the best ways you can do that is enjoy some delicious Breckenridge Brewery. One of my favorites, the Mile High City Copper Lager. We don't shut up about it. That's because we're the Nuggets guys, and that's the Nuggets beer. You can't miss it, that sleek blue design with the Nuggets logo right on there. If you don't know where to find it, use the Breck Beer Locator. Tell it where you live. Tell it what you're looking for. It'll tell you where to go. Real simple, real easy. That's how they like to do it at Breckenridge Brewery. Remember, that farmhouse is open, socially distanced, beautifully set up for outside dining. If you're more comfortable at home, you can still order that curbside pickup from 12 to 8 p.m. Order delicious food and booze from the farmhouse if you're able. Call 303-803-1380. That's 303-803-1380 from 12 to 8 p.m. for pickup. Use code DNVR to save $5. If you're a dedicated dedicated listener of this show, then you already know where I'm going with this next read. It's Manscapes. And I believe we have our friend from outer space in the chat today, Bleisenball. Uh, well, this one's for you. Are you ready for an out-of-world experience? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped. It's just taken off, not only in the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, the Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold it all together. You get the whole solar system of men's grooming at your hands in one spot, all right? So check out Manscaped. Check out that performance package 4.0. Use code DNVR at manscaped.com. You get 20% off plus free shipping for a clean Trinity and beyond. Your space balls will thank you. Yeah, don't mention the party bus that is uh, going on this Saturday. Like, that's an incredible deal. It's 20 bucks. And this party bus takes you from the DNVR bar to uh, Empower Field at Mile High for Buffs, uh, Texas A&M. Ticket not included. This is, of course, if you're going to the game. But you don't have to deal with parking. You don't have to deal with an Uber. You don't have to deal with, like, finding a scooter after the game. This is a great deal. It's just 20 bucks. You park at the DNVR bar. You can have a beer there before get on the bus, come back after, have a post-game beer. So that's going on Saturday. Uh, if you want more info, it's just on the DNVR Twitter account. Just hit that up, and there's a place to register. Great deal. All right, back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, presented, of course, by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Uh, vote. Let's talk best and worst case scenarios for your Denver Nuggets. Let's just start team-wide. Let's start with just the Denver Nuggets in terms of wins, in terms of losses. Um, Look, I know we're just projecting here. I know there's a lot that we don't know about Jamal Murray and whatnot. But just from a wins-losses standpoint, from a standpoint of how far this team could go in the playoffs or, or where they might get eliminated, where are you looking at uh, Denver in terms of best and worst case scenarios in terms of where they might be finishing this season? 
Sure. I'll start regular season. Best case scenario. I'll say three seed just to be realistic. I, I suppose if I'm going to do it, I could argue two or one, but I, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a couple teams out West. Utah's one of them. That's just going to be a regular season wins machine. Um, you know, you're going to need that Murray bump somewhere throughout the season and they won't have it. So, I mean, maybe they lose some games they should win. That said, man, I've, I've really tried to beat this drum as much as I can. I'm looking at the fourth or third spot for Denver. I think it's realistic from them. For them, worst case scenario, well, six, seven seed. I, they're not missing the playoffs unless Jokic goes down, which is the obvious yeah. worst case scenario. I'm not even going to put that out into the universe. So outside of that, the, the floor on this group is so much higher in a regular season environment than has been discussed. I really cannot see them missing the playoffs. And I, I know I'm the homer, but I, I think I'm right about that. I think you are. And we've talked about this before. Nikola Jokic is one of, and I'd honestly say arguably the greatest floor raiser in the league. Um, it, it's funny. You see these debates on Twitter all the time. Like, if Nikola Jokic and Steph Curry switch teams, who would be better and who would be worse? Well, I got I got news for you. The Warriors would be a lot better uh, last season if they had swapped Steph Curry for Nikola Jokic. I can guarantee you uh, they wouldn't have been the ninth seed in the West. They would have been higher than that if those two had swapped. Um, so Nikola Jokic raises the floor of a team by so much. And I'm with you. I don't see the Nuggets missing the playoffs. I'd be shocked if Nikola Jokic played a full season and the Nuggets missed the playoffs. Like I would be absolutely stunned. Some Something else catastrophic must have yep. happened if yep. that scenario plays out. In terms of what their ceiling is, I think I'm with you. I'd say the three seed, you know, maybe like the two is within reach. I could see a scenario developing like last year where Utah just runs the table almost throughout the whole regular season, gets the one seed. I bet Phoenix is going to be up there. I bet the Lakers will be up there with Russell Westbrook, who, you know, doesn't like to miss a lot of games. I bet they'll be, or they'll make a return to the top of the West. So, you know, Phoenix maybe is up there again, uh, although they could have a little regression. So I, I don't see Denver contending for the number one seed in the West, but I bet they're in that next tier kind of like they were last year. I completely agree with you. To the floor raiser point, obviously, I think you and I have been open about this. You know, we're not exactly NBA historians, but in my short time really watching this league passionately, in terms of floor raisers, it's LeBron, yeah, then Jokic. Uh, Jokic is the second best floor raiser I've ever seen. So uh, I'm with you on that point for sure. Let's get spicy, though, and talk playoffs. I'm going to say it. Best case scenario is a title because a title should be viewed as on the table. I know it's not going to be full strength Jamal Murray. I still think, look at the way things broke for Phoenix last year. Is it likely to break that way for Denver? Probably not. But they put themselves in a position where if they catch some breaks, you better believe they're good enough to make that run. Not sure I'm going to pick them, especially in in the preseason. But I think a title is is on the table enough that that's your best case scenario. And anything less than that is setting your sights too low. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I'd agree. That's a great point there in the comments. Giannis is a great one. Giannis is a great one. I probably slept on him there. Yeah. Giannis is is a a definite floor raiser. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think title is on the table. I'm not going to say it's off the table um, because even like if just if the injuries break your way, that's what we've really learned over the last couple of years, right? Like sometimes it just comes down to who the healthiest team is at the end of the season. It really sure. does. That's just what it is. Last year, you know, the Bucks and the Suns were arguably two of the healthiest teams. Uh, the Jazz were healthy too, and they didn't even make the co- the conference finals. So, like, that's a huge disappointment. And um, both both the Bucks and the Raptors won a title by being the next best healthy team, and and, and that's and that's why I've been saying all summer. Some people are like, ah, I think this is just a punt year. No way, no way, because yeah. all that's all it takes, right? And look, it's easy. That's a best case scenario. Probably won't break that way. But when you're as good as Denver is. You got to think. Let's put ourselves in a position to be that team. Yeah, for sure. Um, in terms of like playoff floor, uh, could the Nuggets lose in the first round? Sure. If sure. If, if, Jamal, if Jamal Murray, you know, isn't uh, reliable. It isn't his reliable self when he gets back from injury. You know, we don't know what he's going to look like. Um, could they run up against a tough matchup? Could they draw a team like the Lakers in the first round? You know, could, could they draw a tough jazz team or a tough Suns team again? Absolutely. So I think if you're looking at playoff floor and you're being real with it, uh, first round is probably the floor just, just like it was last year. Look, if, if things go differently in that Blazers series, they could have lost that series. Yeah, but I'm going to say second round. I, look, I guess you're right. Technically, technically first round. But I, I think if I'm going to follow my own logic that they're a home court seed, uh, I think they've got a first round matchup that's probably similar, right? Maybe, maybe watch it be Portland again. I think this <laughs> team is going to be well suited to win a first round barring something weird like that Lakers team drop into seven, right? Like they did last year, but I don't know. I just think Jokic is good enough. This team's good enough. And again, it wasn't just that Murray was out. It was Murray goes down. Morris goes down. Parton goes down. PJ goes down in a short amount of time, compounding effect on the fatigue and the whole deal. Um, Guys starting that weren't supposed to be starting. So I, and they still won that series in six and that's a first in the Malone Jokic era. I think they're over that first round hump. So I'll I'll say second. Yeah. Uh, Let's move on to some players here. When it comes to, you know, Nikola Jokic, what do you view as kind of his best case and and worst case scenario, you know, next season when factoring in everything, factoring in the load he might have to carry, factoring in if like Denver's going to give him some off nights here and there. uh, Where do you view him in terms of his best case and worst case? Best case scenario, he's the best player in the league. And mm-hmm. I think that's super on the table, as at least in the regular season environment. And I obviously think Jokic is a is a playoff performer uh, because he is. So best player in the world is his best case scenario, nothing less. Now, I don't think there's a scenario on earth where he gets MVP again <laughs> based off the way voting works. But is there a scenario where he actually has a better season? Maybe he plays fewer games, not the 82, but he looks even better. I think so. Why, why, why put a ceiling on Jokic? There's no point in that. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree. I mean, 
I thought he was the best player in the league last year. I've been I've been very vocal about that. I'm not I'm not afraid to admit it. Um, I thought he was the best player in the league last year. Next year, he could have a a very similar uh, a very similar year to the one he had this year. Now, can he do what he did? You know, without Jamal Murray over the last whatever fifteen or so games of last season, and do that all the way through for. Uh, 60 or 65 games. I don't know how many it's going to be. Can he do that? No, like, I don't think he can. I don't think anybody can. Um, I don't even think like a LeBron could, you know, carry his team at that best player in the league level for that long. Um, but can he put up the numbers that he did last year? I think he can come close the efficiency. Yes. Um, and, and you know, like, Worst case scenario for him, I think, probably comes into play if you're thinking about just that, the mental and physical fatigue of trying to carry a team like this throughout an 82-game season when you're not sure when Jamal Murray is exactly going to get back. Um, If that starts to play into him, I feel like that is maybe the one thing that could sink his season, like the one thing other than an injury, just that mental physical fatigue of trying to carry this team all year without Jamal. A hundred percent, a hundred percent rooted in so little evidence from so very far away. Everything we've gotten from, from, from him this off season. I'm confident. I'm confident he's ready to, to get back in there and do it again, but we'll find out Yeah, Worst case scenario. I'll let the comments say it. again, not putting that out into the universe. So I'll do a more realistic one. Worst case scenario. Other guys get hurt. He's got to do that LeBron thing again for an entire year. And by the time the playoffs come around, he's a center who is exhausted and can be yeah. doubled. So I'll say that. I'll say that. Um, we we just spoke about Michael Porter Jr. a lot, but I want to bring this back to like a best and worst case scenario type thing. I mean, this year for me, it's, it's like all about MPJ. <laughs> it's all about the leap he makes. Uh, the, the, how much responsibility he, he shoulders, just uh, the, the load he has to take, just how much he grows his game. Um, so I can't wait to see what transpires. What do you think of as a, as a best case and worst case for him? We're, sorry, we're talking Porter, right? This one, I'll make sure I'm, I heard you. Right. Um, I think he makes an all-star team is the best case scenario. Like we talked about that those shots go up, the points get closer to 25 uh, he looks a little bit better defensively and beyond what's in his control that the coaching staff t- approaches this season, the way you've called for, right? Which is get him involved, find more ways to make MPJ a threat. And, and so in some ways, best case scenario for him is something that's out of his hands. Uh, worst case scenario outside of the health that we didn't see that improvement in the in-between stuff, that the handles still look loose, the ball still getting knocked out of his hands, uh, the playoffs start, and he's still a, a, a one-note kind of guy. So those are the best and worst-case scenarios for me. Um, and then there's the obvious caveats of, of, of trying to stay healthy and all of that. I'm going to carry this solo for a second while wind uh, resets. So, yeah, I mean, best-case scenario beyond just being an all-star, looking that way. Uh, having more options in the DH show besides just receive it and shoot, uh, being able to deceive defenses, being able to bend game plans instead of being game planned against. It's not just the numbers and the results, but what it looks like for him to get there, because I think he can get to 25 points per game just off jump shots alone by increasing that volume. 
But I think we want to see evidence going into the playoffs that he's a more complete player. A lack of that evidence, not a great, not a great sign. Yeah. I'm back now. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm like, we were talking about when we were discussing him, him shooting and how good of a three point shooter he is. I want to see him, you know, carry a red hot first quarter into a red hot second quarter into a red hot third quarter into mm. a red hot fourth quarter. I feel like there were too many games last season where he would start off the game really on fire and then just go kind of silent. And I think that falls on him. That falls on the coaching staff that falls on Nicole Jokic, like keep feeding the hot hand. So though they might just have to do that more this coming season than they did last year. Um, because look, they just don't have anybody else that they can turn to. They don't have a Jamal Murray that they can turn to. So maybe by default, um, we see more growth in that aspect. And then the other one for me is, you know, defense. Um, he, he was a much better defender last year in the playoffs than he was his rookie year, but he's still got to get a lot better. You know, he, he's still got to be, become a lot more capable on that end to get to the point where, you know, he doesn't get singled out and taken advantage of in a playoff environment. And like, will that happen again next season? Yeah. Of course, probably. Of of course, he's going to get switched up onto you know Chris Paul and Damian Lillard in the pick and roll. Like that's definitely going to happen. But can he hold his own? Can he make it so defenses don't say automatically every possession that that's our primary goal? That's going to be a big step as well. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Let's hit another break, man. Before we wrap this up, we think. Let's do it. All righty. Hey, so if you don't have your tickets yet, I think it might be sold out, but I'm going to be there. Burt Kreischer, Red Rocks Tonight, AEG presents his thrill to announce that he's live at Red Rocks tonight, September 8th. He's also joined by Mark Norman. Uh, so if you didn't get your tickets, download the Red Rocks app before you visit, uh, which you already should have done, to be honest. Great app. Easy to purchase your tickets, but it's also easy to order drinks from your seat to maximize that concert experience once you're there. So even if you already do have your tickets, make sure you download that up. By the way, if you guys didn't know Burt Kreischer, AKA the machine, Google that story. If you haven't, it is hilarious. He's an American stand-up comedian, actor, writer, and host performs to sell out crowds across the country. He is the number one partier in the nation. Once you Google that machine story, you're going to know what that moniker, where that moniker comes from. Uh, so hopefully I see you there tonight at Red Rocks, Burt Kreischer, download the app right now. Do it right now. Also, as usual, DraftKings. We're going to talk about DraftKings Sportsbook, which we just, we never do on this show. Uh, Fire up your tailgates, folks. The NFL is back. Get in on the action before opening night kicks off with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. With the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving all customers the opportunity to participate in this year's no-brainer offer. DraftKings Sportsbook has moved the spread to Tampa Bay plus 73 for all customers not just new customers, but returning as well. That means you can still cash in as long as the reigning champs don't lose by 74 points against Dallas. Spoiler alert, they will not. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, don't miss out. By the way, new customers get $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 or more on any football game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers, take advantage of that. Use promo code DNVR. Returning customers, take advantage of that insane Tampa Bay spread. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Free bet promotion for new customers only. 
Minimum $5 deposit, max wager limits apply, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Deep breath. And we're going to finish with Strava Craft Coffee. Best way to get your CD, in my humble opinion. It's the delicious CBD-infused coffee. And you can get it at Strava Craft Coffee right now using promo code. Oh, I lost it. DNVR25. You're going to get 25% off your first purchase. Uh, you can also get 20% off every purchase for life when you subscribe to their subscription service using code DNVR25 at checkout. So I don't know about you guys, but anything that I can get delivered to me, I'm all for. Subscribe, get 20% off every time. Get that coffee delivered every two, four, six, eight weeks. Whatever you prefer, it's up to you. Just head to Strava Craft Coffee. Use code DNVR25 at checkout to get 25% off for first-time listeners and 20% off for life. Strava Craft Coffee leave you honking like a goose. And I'm going to throw a DraftKings pick of the week in here uh, before we get back to the show. NFL week one, of course. I am throwing down a little parlay, uh, a five-team parlay, all favorites. 49ers over Lions, Rams over Bears, Chiefs over Browns, Bucks over Cowboys, and Seahawks over Colts. Wow. All those teams are pretty big favorites. But if I throw like five bucks on that, I'm winning $22. So I like betting parlays in the NFL where you can just ride the favorites. Um, so I'm doing that this weekend for my DraftKings pick of the week. Going to start the season week one on uh, on the right note. So excited for Love that. Love it. Love it. All right. Uh, back here on the DNBR Nuggets podcast. About uh, 12, 11 minutes left in this Wednesday show. Let's move on to, I'm going to switch this up, Bones Highland. Ooh. Best and worst case scenarios for Bones Highland, the Nuggets rookie uh, this coming season. But what do you got? That he plays with the Denver Nuggets. That he gets some minutes with some of Jokic, MPJ, Barton. I mean, I mean I'm not sh- it's kind of hard to define, I think, what those scenarios look like. Hard to get a read on where his time will be spent between that new G League team, of course. But I just, to, to answer it as plainly as I can, best case scenario is that we get to see him at the top level with the top guys, and he gets to and he gets to learn at the NBA level. I think that Bones Highland is going to get more of an opportunity at the very beginning of the season than some people think hmm. um so what happens with the g league is the g league doesn't typically start until like three weeks after the nba season actually starts so i think this is at least how it's happened in years past and yeah the nuggets haven't had their own g league team in years past but in years past those guys have started the season with denver and then gone to the g league like um, you know, like the Wanchos of the world or the, you know, bulls of the world or, or guys like that. So I, I, I think that bones might get a shot early on in the season. If, if there's the, the right mm. opportunity to play them, of course, if the nuggets start out like one and four, uh, maybe that opportunity doesn't come, but I think there's a chance he gets a shot early on this season. Um, look, I know the nuggets are deep, in the backcourt, even without Jamal, they've got Monte, Faku, Austin Rivers, Will Barton. But 
I think Michael Malone's really going to like Bones Island. I, I think he's just going to like his energy, his um, the edge he plays with, how hard he plays with, how coachable and just how willing he is to be a sponge. And I think Malone's going to throw him out there for just a little taste. That, that That's a sure. bold prediction I have early on in the season that Bones Highland is going to get a shot. He's going to get a shot early on. Um, so I think best case scenario kind of goes along with him getting that shot and him capitalizing. And look, I don't know if that's going to mean he's suddenly going to be a 20 minute per night guy, but I, I think he's going to get a chance. I think he's going to get a chance. And if he capitalizes on that, yeah, that that's close to best case. Yeah. I mean, I think about those games where it was a third quarter, the guys look lackadaisical and Malone's just looking for some kind of boost off the bench, something different. And he threw RJ in there and then RJ looked so good that Malone almost, and I think at least once actually closed a game with him. Uh, and so is there in an event like that or a timeline like that for bones where he comes in is exactly what Malone was looking for in a third quarter where the starters don't have it. And Malone rewards in the same way he did RJ. Now, maybe that requires some injuries to happen. And that's certainly no one's best case scenario, but yeah. Does, does he, does he get that shot in the beginning of the year? Like you talked about and, and can he do that kind of RJ thing when he does get his opportunity where we all stop and go, wow, wow. This kid stayed ready off the bench. Yeah. Um, I like this comment here. Yeah. His surprising was better than, than I expected. He flashed a little more there. Uh, Caleb Agata, uh, a favorite of the DNBA show. He actually signed on to play in Melbourne, Melbourne. So our, uh, our friends down under are going to be watching Caleb Agata next season. Nice. Let's go to Will Barton. Um, I'll go, I'll go first on Will. In terms of best case scenario for him, I could see Will Barton having the best season of his career this year. Uh, that's that's no hyperbole. He's going to have the opportunity. He's going to have the role as the clear, and I mean the absolute clear third banana uh, in terms of Denver's pecking order on the offensive end of the floor. He's going to get a ton of shots, definitely more than he did last year when you know he only averaged like 11 shots per game. Um there's going to be a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. He's healthy now. This is a sneaky storyline that people won't be talking about enough with Will Barton. All of last season, he spent rehabbing. He barely right. touched the basketball all last offseason. This offseason, uh, he's been in the gym. It's been a regular, uh, much more of a normal offseason where he's working on his game. He's going to come into camp healthier. He's going to come into camp with a bigger role. And I think he's got a chance to, you know, average like 16 points a game, which would be a career high. I'll say Barton is healthy and ready to contribute to a playoff run at the start of the playoffs. Uh, I think what you're talking about is on the table. Again, when he has been healthy, if you kind of go through it and look at the stretches that he was in these last few years, he has played the very best basketball of his career. So you're right that, you know, a healthy Barton in an offense that features him more certainly on the table. The I would rather see Barton look like crap in the regular season and just be <laughs> healthy and ready to go at the start of the playoffs. Yeah. I know that's his top priority and probably number one on his wish list. So that that's, that's the best thing I can say for him is he stays healthy. Yeah. That's something you got to be thinking about in the back of your mind. Always with Will. 
is he potentially going to wear down over the course of the season because he's just been an iron man and at the beginning of the season especially played in like every game 30 plus minutes per night and now he's you know he's 30 years old um he doesn't have those like 24, 25 year old legs. So, right. Yeah. When you're thinking about worst case scenario, it would be a scenario that's played out in years past where he does look really good during the regular season and then fades and gets injured and isn't available for the playoffs. That would be, that'd be tough to see. And I, because of that, I think I, I think I almost hope to see Barton put less emphasis on rebounding this year. It's been an important part of his game when healthy over the last few years. And I don't think that's necessary with Port with Porter Gordon Jokic, and it's also like he he's extended himself so far, stretched himself so thin over the years, wearing all these different hats. So secondary playmaker, scoring a little bit more, that's all great. I'm and, and I'm fine to see he's rebounds closer to three than five if it means he's he's finding these opportunities to give his body a rest. Mm-hmm. Who else do you want to get to here? Do you want to go Monte? Do you want to go Aaron Gordon? Do you want to go Let's PJ? Go I think Aaron Gordon. I think people really want to – I think people are really trying to figure out Aaron Gordon. Sure. What do you think? Best case scenario, more of the same from last regular season. Uh, he just looked – and now it's not going to be the same without Jamal, but fourth best offensive player, absolutely locked in on defense, terror in transition – finding ways to impact the game as a cutter from the dunker spot. So just, again, you're not going to see him, I think, pick up this slack for Murray. And if you're expecting that, you'll probably be disappointed the same way you were in the playoffs. But in the regular season, I don't think you want him to look like a different player than he has been in Denver so far. I guess if you could pick something, it's that he's shooting 37, 38% from three. But, you know, I won't, I won't hold my breath. Yeah. It's funny, man. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot again and ask you to guess something, but what do you think Aaron Gordon shot from three with Orlando last season before he got traded? 35, 36, 37.5%. Now it was only in, you know, 25 games, four and a half, three point attempts per game though. Um, but 37.5% from three in Orlando before the trade. Um, if he hits 37 and a half percent of his threes for Denver this coming season, that to me would be bordering on best case scenario. Mm. And I think if you're going to make an argument that he does, it's because look, when you're playing in an offense, like the nuggets offense compared to the magic offense, it's just a lot different. It feels different. You move differently. Uh, When you're, Aaron Gordon and going from one of your top options in Orlando to a secondary or third option in Denver, you're going to get your shots uh, at different points in the floor. You're taking mostly catch and shoot jumpers as opposed to maybe a couple off the dribble here and there. So that's an adjustment, you know, starting a regular season with this group, maybe, you know, by the two month point, maybe by the three month point, now that he started a season here and he already has last year to go off of, maybe he's a little more comfortable with where he's getting his shots from. He knows where Jokic is going to hit him. He knows when to expect jumpers and, and when to not expect them. So if you want to make an argument for him shooting it better from three, you certainly can. And I might believe it a little bit. Like he's just going to be more comfortable and he's going to get a lot of wide open threes, definitely more than he did 
in Orlando, you know, even playing with Jokic and playing off of Michael Porter Jr. So I think there's definitely room uh, for improvement that can be had when it comes to him and his three-point shooting. And uh, another thing that could factor into like his best case scenario, I just want Aaron Gordon to have some of those games and I'm sure he will throughout the regular season. I'm sure he'll have a lot where he just wins a game for Denver because of his fourth quarter defense. Mm. You know, he, he locks down Luka Doncic for a fourth sure. quarter. He switches on to Damian Lillard for the fourth quarter. Like he did in that playoff game when he switched on to Lillard to start the second half where he switched on to Devin Booker, maybe doesn't guard him the whole game, but just locks him down the fourth quarter. If he can have a bunch of those, man, that, that will trend towards a best case scenario. A couple more factors in a best case scenario for him, for me, how about getting back to Mr. 50? I, I still am very curious to know how much was Gordon's groundboundness a result of where he's at in his career now versus how yeah. much that ankle injury impacted him. So if I could see him look more fluid, more athletic, look like the guy. I mean, if you Google Aaron Gordon's you know, physical athletic highlights in Orlando, like this is Fareed-esque stuff. Certainly not what we saw in Denver last year. So more dunks sounds like some dumb and reductive analysis, but I would like to see more dunks. Finally, the best case for Aaron Gordon in the playoffs is for Denver to be healthy. Because if you just, when he's that fifth guy, he's the guy they went out and got, the perfect guy. If he's got to be a third guy in the absence of dynamic scorers, I think everyone's going to roll their eyes again, just like they did last year. Do you want to end with this one? What's best and worst case scenario for Michael Malone next year? <laughs> we don't have to. We don't have to go into that. But I will just say to to wrap up the show here, um, what I'm hoping the Nuggets coaching staff does next season is that they're not afraid to experiment. And look, I know when when you get caught in just the ebbs and the flows of an 82 game regular season especially last year when you start one and four and everybody's kind of on edge early. Uh, I just would hope that Denver's coaching staff keeps the long game in mind. And yeah, that's easy for me to say um, my job's not on the line. Sure. If they have, you know, but um, I, I hope they're open to experimentation. I hope they're open to switching things up in terms of how they're using Porter and getting him involved and how the offense is shaped and looks night to night. Um, I hope and I, I think my, at least my read on it is correct that they're going to look to get Nikola Jokic some rest throughout the year and make sure he doesn't wear down. I, I, I just hope that this regular season is approached from a real long view. And I think it will be, but um, that, that would be best case scenario uh, for Denver, I believe. Uh, best case scenario for, for Malone uh, is coach of the year. Uh, we talked yeah. about that path to it happening. Again, I don't know if I would – he's not my favorite to win it, but there's value on that bet. And so Murray comes back late March, but the Nuggets are still that three seed. Yeah, I think he gets some attention for it. So, again, I'm not expecting it, but that is his best-case scenario. Uh, Worst-case scenario is a season full of Fire Malone tweets. And that that will like still happen point. regardless, Coach. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Denver could go 82 and 0 and it's Will Barton should come off the bench season. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready for it. Um, I think that's all the time we got for today, guys. Thanks for hanging out. I, I know as this off season goes along, a lot new, uh, a lot of new commenters, a lot of new people showing up to watch the show. 
welcome. We appreciate you guys. As always, we're live at 12 p.m. Monday through Friday. I think Adam will be back tomorrow. Superstar Dev will be in the house on Friday. Uh, if you're watching, throw us a thumbs up before you get out of here. And I am the producer today, so I got to do like all the producing stuff um, on get my us out of here. Let me get us. Let out me here. see if I can find the uh, the right screen here. Is that it? Nope. That nope. nope. That is uh, out the club. We're going out the club here. Um, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Right now, guys, at Household Cattle Company, if you are a DNVR listener, use the code DNVR10 at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase from Household Cattle Company. You get that deal every time. Every time you go to Household Cattle Company and place an order, you're going to get 10% off with the code DNVR10. Any orders over $200, you'll receive free shipping. They've got everything you can want at Household Cattle Company. They've got blue-collar Wagyu beef. They've got New York strips, they've got Wagyu Franks, they've got smoked sausage, beef bacon, jerky flavors, tons and tons of options at Hassel Cattle Company. Also, if you're in the Denver area, if you stop in the DNVR bar, try our burger on the menu. Of course, it's got Hassel Cattle Company Wagyu beef on it. It's my go-to every single time. So if you're in the area, if you're stopping by the DNVR bar, you can try Hassel Cattle Company out on our burger on the menu. If not, Use the code DNVR10 at hasslecattlecompany.com for 10% off your order.